Hello, students. My name is Mike Estefond. I'm joined today by Maddie Watts, and thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Pearson Rabbits Insurance, my personal independent disability insurance agent. We will talk more about Pearson Rabbits later in the episode. Maddie, I hope you're ready for today's case. The topic of today's case was actually inspired by one of our listeners, Juliana Garafalo, and I really hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, she's a, a current PA student who gave this awesome case idea, and I am so excited. How are you feeling? I'm a little nervous. I think the listeners have it in for me, so uh, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it, it's actually pretty funny. I, I first read Juliana's email, and the the overall, the final diagnosis, I was like, that's a great case. And I, I to be honest, I kind of skimmed the rest of the email. And then I was like, how could I make this even more evil? And came up with kind of the rest of the case. And today, when I was going through to get her name to give her credit, uh, I, I looked through, and she actually had the exact same idea that I had. Um, so great minds think alike. I'm very excited. Oh, um, so you're both scheming against me. <laughs> we are both scheming. Yes, yes. This is this is going to be good. Um, we we really just want to say we really appreciate all the ideas that all of you have been sending us, and we want these ideas to keep coming because good things are coming out of these ideas. We will definitely give you a shout out like today if your idea inspires a case. So please send your case ideas to Mike at emclerkship dot com and without further ado today is round number eight of the game maddie will need to perform today's case in real abem oral boards format she has 15 minutes to complete the full case she does not know what the case is ahead of time if maddie hits all of the critical actions that i have listed out beforehand she wins if she doesn't or if she performs a dangerous action i win these cases were created by me and our listeners they are not derived from actual ABEM cases, and they are not real patients. Maddie, take out a piece of paper and a pencil, place the paper sideways in front of you, outline a human body on the left side, and let me know when you are ready. I'm ready to go. Okay. Dr. Watts, this will be a single patient encounter. You will have 15 minutes to complete the case. Before we begin, do you have any questions? Nope. Let's go. All right, let me start my timer. And the timer is started. Maddie, you are working at Clerkship General on an overnight shift when the next chart is handed to you. A 35-year-old male with a chief complaint of genital pain. All right, so I walk in the room and what do I see? You see a relatively young male who appears uncomfortable and can't really sit still. He's kind of doing the I really got a pee dance, if you, if you know what I mean. Okay. Um, and do we have an opening set of vitals? Sure. Um, blood pressure 150 over 90, heart rate 107, respiratory rate of 20, oxygen saturation of 99% on room air, and a temperature of 98 Fahrenheit. All right. So, hey, sir, I'm Dr. Watts. Um, I'm here to treat you today. Tell me what brings you to the emergency department. Hey, Doc, uh, I got a real serious problem. You got to help me. All right, tell me what's been going on. Well, 
it's it's kind of embarrassing. I I really think it would just be easier if I just showed you. Okay. Okay. So the patient drops his pants and underwear, and you see an erect penis. Okay. Doc, <laughs> it's not going away, and it's really hurting. I think it's about to fall off. It feels like it's being strangled or something. Goodness, I'm sorry. I'm sure that's very painful. When did this first start happening? It's been like this for the last eight hours, and it's getting worse. I was at a party last night. You know, it, it was a swingers party. And, you know, this isn't my first rodeo. I, I take Viagra before going to these things. And I took some Viagra tonight, um, but it's just not going away. I can't sleep because it hurts so bad. Oh, okay. And is there anything around the penis, anything that you can tell that's causing restriction of blood flow? Uh, you do not see any foreign objects on the penis on examination. Okay. Um, and so he said he took some Viagra. How many pills did he take or did you take? I took one and a half, kind of my usual dose. Okay. Have you ever had this happen before? I have never had this happen. It usually goes away. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm sorry about that. Um, let me ask you some other questions. Any discharge at all from the penis? No, I have not had any discharge. Okay. Have you been able to urinate okay since this started happening? Uh, yeah, I think so. I went right before I checked in. Okay. Um, any blood in the urine? I didn't notice any, no. Okay. Are you having pain or swelling anywhere else, specifically in your scrotum? No, my, my balls feel fine. Okay. Um, no abdominal pain? No, it's, it's just my penis. Okay. And no fevers? No fevers. Okay. Do you have any medical problems? Uh, I do not. Okay. Do you take any medications? Just the, the Viagra that I'm prescribed by my uh, primary care doctor. Okay. And do you have any allergies to medications? I have no allergies. Okay. Ever had any surgeries? No. Okay. All right. Um, so I want to do a brief exam. Um, first, I'll do an abdominal exam. Does he have any abdominal tenderness anywhere? No abdominal tenderness. Okay. Any um, inguinal lymphadenopathy or inguinal hernias? No inguinal hernias, no lymphadenopathy. Okay. And the scrotum is non-swollen, non-tender? Correct. Um, no tenderness at the epididymis? Correct. Okay. And the penis, what does it look like? Um, it looks fully erect. Um, but otherwise appears normal. You don't see any warty lesions or any other abnormalities. Okay. Does it look like dusky, like it's getting ischemic or just very swollen? It it just, it looks erect. It, okay. Otherwise, the patient s says it looks like his normal appearance. It's just not going down. Okay. Um, and no discharge or blood at the meatus? Correct. Okay. All right, sir. Well, I'm afraid you have a condition called priapism, which is a persistent erection. Okay. Um, I am sure this is quite painful, so we'll give you some pain medications. But whenever you have gotten to this point where it hasn't gone down for so long, we actually have to relieve some of that obstruction by pulling some of the blood off. 
um, which is a procedure that does involve um, using a needle to remove some of the blood from your penis. You're going to stick a needle in my penis? Yes. We'll numb you up first, um, and it shouldn't cause any long-term damage, but it should help get that erection down because the bigger risk is if you keep having that erection, it could cause some serious damage. Uh, okay, Doc. Whatever you say. Okay, so let's go ahead and page urology and let them know that the patient's here. Um, but I believe this um, is fully in our wheelhouse as EM physicians, so I'm going to do this procedure. Um, so let's give him some pain medicine. If we can get an IV and give him some, um, we could do 50 micrograms of fentanyl since it's quick acting. Um, but then we'll do a local block. So I'm also going to get some lidocaine. Um, we can do, uh, 1% with epi. And we can get an 18 gauge to pull up the lidocaine and then we'll have a 27 gauge to inject. And gosh, I'm trying to remember, I think an, another 18 gauge and 10 cc syringe to pull off some of the blood as well as a flush. So I'm going to get all those supplies. Um, We'll give the patient the pain meds. Um, and then for the dorsal penile nerve block, I believe you go at 3 o'clock and at 9 o'clock um, at the base of the shaft. And you would aspirate and then inject the lidocaine. I think it's like two to three cc's either side if urology okay, so, go ahead <laughs> so uh urology is not at this hospital um you I would had have a to transfer <laughs> <laughs> you would have to transfer the patient uh to get urology um an iv was placed 50 micrograms of fentanyl was given um one percent lidocaine with epinephrine was obtained from the pixis how much you would you like me to draw up for you doc um, so let's have six cc's drawn up. Okay, six cc's is drawn up, and you are handed a syringe with six cc's of 1% lido with epi with a 27-gauge needle. Okay, so at the shaft of the penis, I'm going to go at 3 o'clock at the base where it's connecting to the skin, and mm -hmm. I'm going to go in about half a centimeter and aspirate and then inject three cc's. And then I'll do the same thing on the other side at about nine o'clock, aspirate and inject about three cc's. Okay. Anesthesia achieved. Okay. So patient is numb distally. Uh, the dorsum of his penis is numb. Correct. Okay. Um, so now I want to get the 18 gauge with the flush and I will inject, I mean, sorry, I will put the needle laterally 
um, like horizontal slash perpendicular to the penile shaft mm-hmm. um, at like, again, like three o'clock and go in about half a centimeter. I want to be in the bulbar cavernosis, I believe. And okay. I'm going to aspirate. Um, and then, oh, shoot. There's something else you're supposed to inject. I think it's phenylephrine, but now I can't remember. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I think it's phenylephrine. Is there a urologist uh, I can call <laughs> that, that doesn't have uh, to be here? The The nurse uh, says, hey, doc, I've seen this done a couple times. I think you're right. I think it's phenylephrine. I don't know how much. <laughs> That's okay. You have a pharmacist that'll that'll dose it for you. Um, wow, so, what a great hospital we work at. Yes, yes. Um, so back to, do you want to give the phenylephrine first or do you want to aspirate first or what do you want to do? I think, I think I want to give the phenylephrine first and then I'm going to, aspirate as much as i can and then i'm gonna flush in that okay. order okay um the pharmacist recommends 100 micrograms of phenylephrine uh every five minutes you can redose it up to a max of a, a full milligram um so up to 10 times okay uh, and so you you administer the phenylephrine um you, and then you go to aspirate the blood. Um, how much blood are you going to aspirate? Um, I am going to aspirate at least 10 cc's. And if it's still flowing easily, I will probably empty that syringe, put it back on, and go again. And keep going as it's flowing easily. I think you can do like 40 to 50 cc's okay so you aspirate 10 cc's it is dark chocolate colored blood with some clots in it um and you repeat that three or four times and it still is remaining dark chocolate okay are we having any detumescence with this um not yet okay uh let's keep going let's keep pulling off more mm-hmm. Okay, you, 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 keep get, you keep pulling off uh, more blood. You remove another 30 cc's. Um, and the pharmacist asks, hey, doc, do you want to give some more phenylephrine? We can do it every five minutes. Oh, yes. I would like to redose my phenylephrine. <laughs> Let's give it again. <laughs> okay, um, so you administer another uh, 100 micrograms of phenylephrine. Um, and... The, the blood that you're aspirating is starting to appear more red in color, um, and there is some mild detumescence, um, but his, his penis still continues to be erect. However, uh, the patient shouts out, Hey, Doc, I don't feel really good. What, what the heck is going on? Um, and then the nurse is, looks concerned. Doc, what's wrong? Um, can we get a repeat set of vitals? Sure. Um, blood pressure is 70 over 30. Heart rate is 170. 
respiratory rate is 26. O2 sat is 96% on room air. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, what was his heart rate again? Uh, one. I think I said 160. 160. Oh, okay. Um, so let's stop this procedure. Let's hang a bag of fluids ASAP um, and pressure bag that in. Let's... Um, Doc, I don't feel good. I, I feel like I'm going to pass out. Um, oh God. So let, I think we have to start pressers. If his blood pressure is not coming up at all with fluids, if I repeat it, it's still 70 or 30. The, the patient stops talking and goes into cardiac arrest. Oh God. <laughs> um, is this last? Oh God. Um, so we need to start compressions cause patients in cardiac arrest um, what okay. rhythm nurse, do I... nurse is doing, nurse let's is doing get, compressions. Let's get the patient on the pads and attach them to the um, defibrillator. What rhythm do we see on the monitor? You see a wide, complex tachycardia at okay. a rate of 170, and he has no pulse. Okay, so as soon as we get the pads set up, we need to shock. Um, sounds like it could be VTAC or VFib, and he's pulseless, so... Um, once we get the pads on, I want to shock. Okay. Pads are on. Um, how many joules would you like to shock him with? Uh, let's do 200. Okay. One shock of 200 joules was delivered and the patient is now awake. Doc, why, why does my chest hurt? What, what the heck is going on? What did you just do to me? Um, we can give, actually, no, uh, let's get an EKG. And... Time is up, and that ends your case. Oh, God. <laughs> that was so bad. <sighs> All right. Before oh. we talk about that case, let's talk about our sponsor. Just a quick word from our sponsors at Pearson Rabbits Insurance. As a healthcare professional, you have undoubtedly invested lots of time and money into your training. It goes without saying that protecting your investment is very important. And the best way to do that is specifically with own occupation disability insurance. If you apply as a resident, you will lock in a lower rate and that rate will follow you as an attending. Don't wait until it's too late. Check out Pearson Rabbits at www.pearsonrabbits.com and schedule a consultation appointment with Stephanie Pearson or one of her team members today. Now, back to the episode oh man maddie that felt that felt cruel that felt very mean i'm sorry that was very mean (laughs) (laughs) i still don't know what happened (laughs) okay um so let's unpack this a little bit um let's rewind a little bit so what was the the diagnosis priapism followed by cardiac arrest of unknown origin <laughs> at the moment great okay so he he had priapism that is completely correct um and you managed it correctly um so do you have you heard of the different types of priapism before so i i know that you can have either an inability to have venous outflow or you can have um I think like arterial obstruction, um, 
for people who have sickle cell, you can have more of a thrombotic cause because of all the the sickled red blood cells. Um, but you're you're on the right track. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty pretty close. Um, so yeah, there's venous obstruction, which is what we call low flow priapism or the ischemic priapism, um, and that is by far and away the most common cause of priapism. Like. 95% or more of the time, it's low-flow ischemic priapism. Now, there is something called high-flow priapism, which is a completely different entity. It's really rare. We really only see it in the setting of trauma. Think like saddle injuries, somebody biking and they crash and their groin hits the, the saddle bar. And there ends up being a, like an arterial fistula or something going on. So there's no venous obstruction and there's actually no ischemia going on. So high flow priapism is not an emergency, but low flow priapism is an emergency. And do you know why it's an emergency? Like, what, what happens if we don't treat this emergently? I know you worry about urinary obstruction, mm-hmm. but I'm assuming also, I mean, it's it's dying tissue, so you can get, like, a lactic acidosis and get septic? I, don't, I actually don't know. Other than, yeah. like, wanting well, to save someone's manhood. <laughs> well, yeah, that, so that, that's really what it is. So um, over time, it's... It, and I'll go into this more on the deep dive, but pretty much after the four hour mark, there starts to be microscopic changes that result in fibrosis of the, the erectile tissue, the, the corpus cavernosum. And so basically um, any, any male who has priapism, an ischemic priapism lasting more than 24 hours, they are 95% chance of having permanent erectile dysfunction. They're going to have sexual dysfunction for the rest of their life. It's it's life-changing. Um, so this is a very time-sensitive diagnosis. Um, the, the amount of dysfunction they will have is directly related to the time, the length of time of the priapism. Um, so I, I know how neurologists love to say time is brain when it comes to strokes. Um, time is it's, penis. It's, <laughs> time is penis. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. Okay, so you performed a dorsal penile block correctly. Um, and we'll talk about this more on the deep dive. That was great. Um, and then you managed this correctly as well. You were doing all the right things. So um, the treatment is aspiration. Um, and then sometimes you can irrigate as well. So if there's a lot of clots in there, you can you can inject saline and then aspirate after you inject um, to kind of break, break up some of the clots. And then um, injecting phenylephrine as well. So what happened in this case? Um, it is imperative whenever giving a patient any vasoactive medication that they are on a cardiac monitor. Um, yeah, I didn't so, know that. Yeah, so I, I, this guy was going to go into VTAC uh, when, you, when you gave the phenylephrine no matter what. Um, actually, one of the... the most common precipitating causes of priapism. Number one is kind of erectile dysfunction drugs like Viagra, Cialis, that kind of stuff. But kind of also high up on the list is cocaine. Um, and if you had asked about drugs, uh, this guy would have admitted to- did not do a social history. I was waiting for it. You're going right down the list. I, I thought you were going to nab it, um, but he would have admitted to using cocaine before. He was tachycardic and hypertensive with no history of hypertension. And if you had examined the rest of his body, I would have gave you diaphoresis, dilated pupils, etc. Um, ah. 
So the common so phenylephrine intra uh, penile phenylephrine. You know, we don't see too many cardiovascular changes there, but it does. It is systemic. You are injecting into the bloodstream, um, and the most common thing you're going to see is a reflex bradycardia. But these patients need to be on continuous telemetry monitoring. And especially with this guy having cocaine in his system, just the combination of the two put him into VTAC. And I was hoping that initially when he started not feeling good, you did the right thing, you got set of vitals. But with those vitals, with that heart rate being 160, uh, the next move would have been to put him on telemetry monitoring if he wasn't already and get a stat EKG, which would have showed you VTAC. VTAC with a pulse, and then um, you could have cardioverted him back. Um, but he unfortunately lost his pulses, and then you managed him correctly from there on out. You know, pulseless VTAC is a shockable rhythm. You immediately started CPR, got the pads on, delivered the shock immediately, and got him back. Um, and then unfortunately, we we're out of time. But um, overall, I think you were doing the right thing. At least the... I ended with him not dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, hey, is that a jab at me at that allergic reaction I had early on? I had like a like an inferior it was some kind of STEMI that was allergic to aspirin and nitro. And I, I think I gave both and he like coded and died on me. It was like one of no, my first was, cases. That was just me saying I was like 20 seconds away from ending the case with my patient dead. So I'll take what I can get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, um, I think you actually hit all of the critical actions. Um, let me look. Let, let's go through the critical actions and then the dangerous actions. So the critical actions include diagnosing ischemic low flow priapism and you can diagnose this either clinically or with a blood gas from the penis and i'll talk about this more in the deep dive i I don't think we have time to go into this here on this episode Um, so that's the first critical action which you did correctly the second was correctly perform a dorsal penile block or ring block which you did Um, the only thing i would say that was forgotten which i'm not going to ding you here but uh in real life, when you're doing the oral boards, you have to say that you're cleansing the skin. You're using chlorhexidine oh, yeah. or sterile technique, that kind of stuff. They'll they'll ding you on that. Um, number three, aspirate blood and irrigate with saline, which you did. Number four, inject intracavernous phenylephrine, which you did. And number five, diagnose iatrogenic ventricular tachycardia and cardiovert, whether that was synchronized or defibrillation when he codes, which you did. Um, but unfortunately you did perform a dangerous action. Um, there were two dangerous actions for this case. One of them was not placing the patient on telemetry monitoring while receiving the phenylephrine. And then the second dangerous action, which you did not do, you did this correctly, was causing an iatrogenic injury while performing the, the dorsal penile block. Um, as we'll go into on the deep, the deep dive, the the anatomy of the penis is actually very clinically relevant, knowing where the urethra is, where the neurovascular bundle is, and kind of where we do these blocks. Um, but I'll be talking about that in a short couple of weeks. Um, so overall, because of the dangerous action, I think you would have failed this case. However, I overall, I know as an intern, I would have floundered so much more than you did. <laughs> so I think you did a phenomenal job. I actually had a priapism my first month of intern year. And so I got to do this procedure. Um, It was a little bit less satisfying because this patient had had recurrent priapisms and didn't have the best response. Although I've heard this can be a really satisfying procedure, especially 
patients get super nervous about it, but when it works, they're really excited. Um, but I had I not had that patient, I think I would have been at a loss completely from the beginning. Yeah, this is one of those things that like you read about, but you rarely do. I've only seen and done two cases of priapism um, in my like four years of being an ER doctor, almost four years, and both were in residency, and I have not seen one since. So this was a this was a really good refresher for me. I actually learned a bunch, uh, kind of doing the literature dive and the deep dive on this, um, and I'm I'm kind of excited for the mid month episode. Yeah, but, I think this is a great one to cover for everyone. Yeah, I will be and, listening. Um, <laughs> and again, just a shout out to uh, Juliana Garofalo. Again, I, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right, but this was a phenomenal idea. We both kind of independently had the idea of the patient going into a cardiac dysrhythmia. Um, I didn't get to the bottom of her email and I didn't even read it. I came up with this and then I read the email today and saw she had the same idea. So I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, that's but, wild. Good case, Juliana. Yeah. Um, otherwise, how are things going? You're on, was it OBGYN, right? Yes, I am. Um, almost done, um, but have been delivering babies, which has actually been really fun. I was part of a few deliveries in med school, but it was one of my rotations that was cut a little bit short. So it's actually been fun doing all the deliveries. That's awesome. Have you had any or been a part of any complicated deliveries with like a nuchal cord or shoulder dystocia or like a breach or anything crazy like that? Um, we actually had a double nuchal cord the other day um, that I was a part of. So that was interesting. And then they had to do some neonatal resuscitation. Um, baby ended up being okay. But I was like, I as the ER doc, I wanted to be in both places at the same time. I was like, I want to be watching them resuscitate the baby, but I also want to be with mom. Um, cause I could have to do both of those in the ED, but, um, I thankfully have not had a shoulder dystocia cause I think that would really scare me, <laughs> but, um, no, it's been good. Yeah. Um, I will, the one thing I will say, I did my OBGYN rotation at the very beginning of residency and, um, it, it's been a long time since I've delivered a baby, but I actually had my first precipitous delivery uh, like two weeks ago. And oh, fortunately, wow. fortunately, it went fine. It was at uh, my critical access hospital, so I, I didn't have a lot of resources. Luckily, this, this patient had like all the prenatal care and just couldn't get to her hospital in time and everything went smoothly. But um, going through that... The, the two things I will have to say is delivering a baby is one thing and doing all the maneuvers, but coaching a patient through that is a completely different thing that I kind of neglected in residency. And honestly, I, I had to look it up on the spot. I, I forgot, you know, how to coach patients through delivering a baby, you know, pushing, you know, for X amount of time, X number of waves per contraction, you know, um, yeah. that kind of stuff. It's stuff you don't really think about too much. You know, you're, you're so concerned on making sure baby's okay, looking for that nuchal cord, looking for, you know, that, that turtle sign for shoulder dystocia that you forget that you're, you know, you're also there for the, the patient themselves and you have to coach them through it, especially if it's their, their first time. Yeah. I never thought about that. Cause I've always just kind of assumed that I might have to deliver the baby if OB can't get there in time, but if there's enough time to be pushing and laboring for a while, I kind of figured, oh, they'll get there in time. But yeah, if you're working in a critical access hospital or you're working in a standalone where they don't have OB and you they're not stable enough to transfer, it's on you. You're the one. You're the one telling them how to push. 
Oh yeah, yeah. My my heart sunk when I did the uh, cervical check and I felt skull. I was just oh. like, oh. <laughs> we're, you're we're... like, I don't do these often, but feeling the hair <laughs> is not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the nurses just all looked at me and I was like, we're having a baby, and everyone just kind of started running in circles. But it, it went fine. It was good. Um, other than that, do you have any other closing remarks? Any other thoughts, comments? Uh, I don't think so, but I'm I am very excited for these listener submitted cases. I feel like this is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I, there's a couple other good ones that I, I don't think would be fair to give you yet at this point in training, but they'll they'll pop up down the line. Oh, all right, I'll be waiting. <laughs> well, everyone, that wraps up our case for the month. Send us emails with any questions, comments, or feedback that you might have. You can reach me at mike at emclerkship.com. And my email is maddie, M-A-D-D-I-E, at emclerkship.com. And until next time, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.